You're listening to the Redemption City Church podcast. To learn more about Redemption City Church, visit us online at rccbaltimore.org. Today's message comes from Kenji Adachi, founding pastor of All People's Community Church in Fairfax, Virginia. Thank you, David. Good morning, RCC. Oh, much better than the first service. You know, nine o'clock, they they don't even say good morning. They're still hanging in there. But uh, good to see you. Um, It's so great to to witness this church. I've known Adam and heard Pastor Adam and all that God's done through RCC in such a short time. It is truly a miracle to have a, a venue like this and not just to rent it, but to own it and then rent out space for it. It's incredible. Um, coming up the stairs, right? Anybody here for the first time? This beautiful family here. That's my wife. And my three kids. But wasn't it amazing just coming up and seeing the glass and everything? We meet in a, we were meeting in an elementary school, and we were, our, we have a church plant, and we also were meeting in a town hall, kind of like this, and now we're at a historical black church, uh, 151 years old last week, incredible, um, and so to see this is awesome, but what I was telling Pastor Adam was, it's, it's not the building, it's the people, it's the people of God gathered together, filled with such joy and love and unity and being able to witness that earlier in the first service was so encouraging to me. Um, There's a a Russian lady at our church, her name is Irina, and she came up to us and she asked me, why do you meet in an elementary school? And if you know Russian, that's how they all sound, right? It doesn't matter male or female, they talk like that. And, And I told her, I said, the church is not a building. It's a people. And this is what we are about. We are not just the people that gather, but we're also scattered in mission. And so I have a a great joy of of bringing you a message on that this morning. And so graduation season is upon us. Um, Any recent grads here today? Okay, that's that's two. Congratulations. All right. Awesome. I know Loyola had their graduation yesterday, as well as UMBC, and, and then um, uh, Hopkins next weekend. John, uh, Michael Bloomberg will be speaking there, giving the commencement speech. Um, but Elizabeth Dole, former senator, she gave the commencement speech at North Carolina State University in Raleigh, North Carolina, and she shared three keys to a graduation speech. She says, number one, acknowledge the graduates. And then number two, uh, thank the parents. And then thirdly, be brief. And in the middle of her message, a college student, it had to be a college student, came across the stage in just his whitey tidies alone. And then Elizabeth Dole responded, I said, be brief. (laughs) The Lord Jesus gave a brief and memorable message, a graduation speech to his disciples. How many of you actually remember your graduation speech? 
Anybody? Just like that in the first service. How many of you remember the graduation speaker? Okay. Some of you, maybe recent. I don't even remember if it was a male or female or, or an animal. I, I don't remember who gave the message. But Jesus gave these memorable words. Last words matter. Um, words that sound so cliche as, as I say this, but a message to change the world. And But for him, that message wasn't something that everybody just hears and, and goes, all right, what are we going to have for lunch? But it actually happened. The disciples truly believed in this message, and they embodied it, and they were empowered by the Spirit to carry out that message and change the world. And that's why we exist here today, the church here in Baltimore, the church in Fairfax, and all across the world. And so as, as David mentioned, you know, we're addressing this question, you know, what does it looked like to be on mission with Jesus here in Baltimore and in the world. And so I want to begin by reading the mission of uh, Redemption City Church. It is to display and to declare the gospel in the city of Baltimore and to across the world. And it's derived simply from Jesus's words, his graduation speech, what we call the Great Commission, where he challenged and called his followers, to go change the world. And so today, if you have your Bibles, we'll be in Acts chapter 1, what, what David just read to us. But we're going to be camping out in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And in, in here, Jesus keeps it simple. He tells us two things. He tells us God's power for missions and then God's plan for missions. So um, Acts 1, 8 reads this. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and, um, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. A good student knows that whenever you, you hear the word but, that's B-U-T, not with two T's, or and, or a therefore, you go back and look at the context, right? And so we understand from this passage that Luke, the author, tells us that the Lord appeared to his disciples for 40 days after he was resurrected from the dead. And, and then he started teaching them about the kingdom of God that he was ushering into, right? And the disciples asked them in verse 6, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Now, there were three errors that they made in asking this question. Did you catch any of those? The first is the question of when, right? And they ask, when will you? And so Jesus answers and tells them, hey, don't worry about the time. It's not for you to know or to be concerned about. In fact, Jesus told his disciples earlier in, in Mark chapter 13 that no one knows the time and the day. And he even told them that the angels don't even know that, as well as the Lord himself. The second error that they made was the question of who. They asked, will you, will you, Lord Jesus, restore the kingdom? And the disciples asked, will you, because they understood that when Jesus died on the cross and was raised from the dead, that he alone paid for all of our sins. He alone is God, the Son of God. He accomplished the work entirely by himself to save sinners. Um, by the grace of God. And so 
what they also understand is that Jesus made this claim that all authority in heaven and earth has been given to him. And that's why he says, go and make disciples. So they understood that part. They got that part right. But what they didn't understand was that they were going to be part of this plan. And we have a hard time understanding this as well, right? Because it, this, it's like, what are you asking me to do? Um, because what he's asking is this, with the kingdom of God, restoring the kingdom of God is this. You know, last night we got a taste of what Baltimore is like. Charm City. Um, are you anybody originally from Baltimore? Okay. You, for many of you, I guess it wasn't like one person raising their hand. No one else. Remember when you first came to Baltimore, right? It was different, right? And so last night we got a full taste of Charm City. I'm talking about when we were in bed. All the sirens and the motorcycles. <laughs> in the middle of the night. Um, but... When Jesus restores the kingdom, what he's saying is this. It's going to be a place of such peace and harmony and unity that there will be no more wars, no more conflict in the Middle East, no more um, arguing with the neighbor down the street or across the street, no more cancers and, and COVIDs and carjackings. None of those things will ever take place. And that the, the righteous rule and reign of Jesus will come. And this is what they are understanding. And they understand this, the disciple, that they don't have any power to do that. Right? You can't even get your neighbor to turn down their stereo at past 10, 10 p.m., right? And this is what they were saying. Look, when will you restore the kingdom of God? They understood that he had all the power and they did. Uh, how many uh, Ravens fans do we have in here? Baltimore Ravens fans. All right. I'd like to see the ladies raising their hands as well. That's great to see. Um, how many of you are Dallas Cowboys fans? Go ahead, family. I know I got my family guy. That's called discipleship right there. Right. They, they know what's up. Okay. But, but um, my, my son Derek and I, we love the Cowboys, but we love Lamar Jackson as well. If you don't know who Lamar Jackson is, don't worry. He's not one of the disciples, but he's the quarterback for uh, the, the Baltimore Ravens. Did you know that in the next year or two, he will sign a contract that will pay him at the minimum $40 million a year? And that would be a deal. Okay, $40 million, multi-year contract, $40 million. And did you know that there's a, a player for, for the Ravens, former Raven, Orlando Brown, Orlando Brown, stands six foot eight inches tall and weighing 365 pounds. And I'm going to say it again, Adam. He weighs more than his entire family combined, right? <laughs> That's a big man. Why am I telling you about big man and big paychecks? Because if you understand uh, the NFL, how it works, that those who have power and authority aren't those who make $40 million or who weigh 365 pounds. They are people who are a fraction of the size and the salary and the skill and the athletic ability. I'm talking about the referees. They have a whistle and a uniform, and they're giving power from above, right? From the powers that be of the NFL. 
And this is exactly what Jesus is talking about. When Jesus says, all authority and power has been under heaven and earth has been given to me, now he's bestowing that unto us, enabling us to be witnesses. So it's not in our own abilities that we can do any of these things. And this is what he meant. You shall receive power. The word power is used throughout in the book of Acts in two ways. The first one is to display the power of the gospel. It is the power of God that during Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit was sent down to fill and indwell every single believer, and they showed at that time, at that unique moment, the manifestation of the gifts, people speaking in tongues, and then healings and prophecies, just miraculous gifts on display. And we don't need any of those things to see the miraculous power of God. To be able to see people gathered together on Sunday mornings from diverse backgrounds, right? Under Jesus' name, unified together. That's the power of God as well. The second way that we see the power of God in Acts is also the power to enable uh, the disciples to declare the gospel boldly to human and spiritual authorities. In Acts chapter 4, when, when Peter and John, when they were arrested and put in prison, and they were brought before the human authorities and powers of the temple, the priests and all the ruling authorities there. And they asked them, by what power or by what name did you call on to heal this crippled man at the temple? And the disciples boldly answered, Let it be known to you, all of you, and to all the people of Israel, by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified. Okay. And I believe they probably pointed fingers at them. They probably went rushing on them on, at that point, right? Um, whom you, God, raised from the dead, by him, this man, crippled from birth, is standing before you as well. This Jesus is a stone that was rejected by you. And there's no salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now listen to verse 13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Would they realize that no earthly power of education, of elitism, or eloquence can match the power of God. And this spirit has been given to us. Have you experienced the power of the Holy Spirit in your life? It enables you to live on mission and to boldly declare the gospel. I was meeting with a, a brother named Ted, a man named Ted. He's a Japanese-American who was an unbeliever at the time. And... Uh, I encouraged him, and I would also encourage you as well, to, if you've never read Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis, it's a must-read book. And I told him, hey, if you're exploring Christianity, read this book. And, and he sat down at lunch with me, and he told me, I just went to the bookstore and tried to buy this book, but they were all sold out. And the next thing you know, a, a man sitting right behind us comes walking over and, and interrupts our conversation and says, excuse me. I just heard you guys talking about my favorite book. I keep copies of Mere Christianity in my car. And he walks out of the restaurant, right, to his car, and I'm just looking at Ted. 
I'm not saying a word, you know. Just, just go ahead and take your time, you know. Bring that book whenever you want. And he comes back and says, I'm sorry, but I ran out of books. And he left. I'm still smiling, Holy Spirit smiling at Ted. And I'm waiting for this moment. And I ask him, don't you think that God was trying to get your attention so that you may know how great he is? See, the Holy Spirit, he can do anything he wants to do. He can get random strangers in a, in a restaurant. He can do whatever he wants when we allow him, when we are on mission with him, when we want to declare boldly before earthly powers and authorities. Jesus unleashes power so we can be on mission with him. And then secondly, Jesus unpacks the plan of God for world missions. When Jesus addressed the question, you know, there are errors of when and who, he also explained what they got wrong with the what. And I'm talking about the, when they said, when will you restore the kingdom of Israel? Okay. It didn't say kingdom of God. This is what he'd been teaching them 40 days, the kingdom of God. Never mentioned anything about Israel. Yes, he mentioned about Israel, but he also mentioned a bigger scope. That's why he says in Acts 1.8, you know, you shall be my witnesses in, in Jerusalem, in Judea. That's Israel. But then he says Samaria and then to the ends of the earth. And so many of us may have heard a message or a teaching on Acts 1.8. And where you, you hear about Jerusalem being your Baltimore or your neighborhood in this area, right? Or you may have heard that, that Judea is Baltimore County or Maryland. Or then you heard that Samaria is Northern Virginia. Okay, but that's because what's what we think about you. We think Baltimore is Samaria to us. Okay, and then to the ends of the earth, the nations. But this isn't what Jesus has in mind when he's talking about this. Because as you understand, these he doesn't even mention Galilee where they're from, because he already knows that they are concerned about their neighbors in Galilee. He wants he knows that they want to take it to Galilee. But he knows that they have a problem with Samaria. They have a problem with Gentiles to the ends of the earth, right? And this is what Jesus is trying to get them to see the heart of God by expanding the borders. He's trying to expand the borders of their hearts to have to care about the very same people that God cares about. And that's all the peoples of the earth. And so this has been Jesus's plan from the very beginning, and it's going to be Jesus' plan at the very end. In Revelation uh, chapter 7, you know, uh, excuse me, Revelation chapter 5, he talks about a scroll with, with seven seals. You have to understand in the Roman era that wills and testaments were written on scrolls and sealed with seven seals. And so what the Apostle John, what he sees here is this, that Jesus is given something at the very end, something that he will inherit and receive. But here's what happens, what he sees in verse 3 in Revelations chapter 5. And no one in heaven or earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it 
And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to, to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. They're saying he's the only one worthy. He's the only one that has the power and the authority. And so they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open the seals, for you were slain, and by your blood and, and you ransomed people from God from every tribe and language and people and nation. That word ransom means to buy back, right? Someone is kidnapped, right? You rescue them with a ransom price. And this is exactly what Jesus did. He paid the price through his life by shedding his blood and giving his body to us so that we may be saved. This is one life, a righteous man, exchanged for unrighteous. This is the good news of the gospel. And so what Jesus is saying is, is that he will one day return and claim what is rightly his as what he has inherited from his father. And that's what it's already written down. Every nation, every tribe, every tongue. This is the language that the Bible uses again and again and again. Because it doesn't refer to nations as in territories, right? Man-made borders. He's talking about tribes. I was talking to Michael earlier. He's from Ghana. And he was telling me about what tribe he was from. Because I had a conversation. I was telling him about a Nigerian brother at our church. We had an event uh, a few weeks ago, a men's event. We called it Brotherhood Bible and Beer. Uh, bonfire, that's what we called it. We're Baptists, we didn't call it beer. So well, this brother uh, asked this man from Nigeria, a pessary, he asked him, how many tribes are there in Nigeria? And Presbyterian answered, 200 tribes. Wikipedia says there are 250 tribes in Nigeria. There are over uh, 500 languages spoken in Nigeria alone. Could you imagine that? There are 17,000 people groups in this world. You know, there are 190 plus nations but 17,000 people groups. And 70% of the unreached people, unreached people meaning those who there are no Christian witnesses or churches, Bible translations, or there are no Christian movements. Okay? So there, there 70% of unreached people groups in the world reside in this one area called the 1040 window. So if you imagine my navel is the equator, just go 10 uh, degrees north of that, okay? Starting from Western Africa to all the way to Japan. And so 10 degrees north and 40 degrees. In this window alone, 70% of unreached people group live there. The four dominant religions in that area, you probably know this already, right? Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, and then atheism, because China, 1.6 billion people, you know, majority of them are atheists. And so all these lost people are right there. 
And, and the majority of the, the least unevangelized cities in the world, 50 of them, right, are all in this 1040 window. We're talking about Delhi, Manila, Beijing, Shanghai, Osaka, my hometown, Tokyo, Jakarta, right, Karachi. These mega cities like Tokyo, 38 million people. It's the largest city in the history of the world. It's the population of, of California living in a, a geographic area that's the size of L.A. and New York, right there. Japan is a country that is less than 0.1% Christian. Missionaries, starting with Francis Xavier, Portuguese missionaries, landed there in 1500s. And the church has been persecuted, has died. Missionaries go there as it's graveyards. It's hard soil. What's interesting is if you look at the list of of countries that it's the most difficult to, to be a Christian in, countries like Iran and North Korea, China, on and on and on. Those are closed countries where we heard our brother talk about on the video, right? That you could risk your life if you share your faith or are converted, right? But in an open country like Japan, a very modern place, right? It's dead. Then right across from it, the gospel is exploding in places like Korea right after the war, and then China as well. But Japan is just 30 minutes by plane to either of those countries, completely dead. There's a, a spiritual stronghold in this country that the gospel will not take root. And so... What's interesting is that you would think that majority of these people that know about this 1040 window would do anything that they can to go help reach these people that have no hope of the gospel. But it's exactly the opposite. According to R.W. Lewis in his article in the International Journal of Frontier Missions, he writes, quote, roughly 30 times as many missionaries go to reach people groups to work with Christians as go to unreach people groups. Did you hear that? So if there were 30 people up here, they would go only to work with, with Christians, and then one person would go to the unreached people of the, the world. The studies have also found out that, that $100, that are, every $100 that's given to the church, only six cents go to re, help the unreached people. Six pennies for missions to the hardest places, the, the, the most difficult places. You see, we think the disciples have it all wrong when they didn't know the answers, right? Of who, what, when. But we're no different as well. It's, it's hard to fathom. You think the, the most vulnerable, the, the least unreached, that we would go to this. We would invest time. We would send missionaries. We would... Of invest money towards that. But it's not happening. But imagine if RCC could support our brother on the, on the screen to where he goes, right? 
or, or to David and Alyssa when they go. Imagine a church rallying around other churches, thinking globally, strategically, to, to help take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And so when RCC's vision is to display and declare the gospel in the neighborhoods of Baltimore and the nations, they really mean it. And this is the hope that we have, that churches are sending people to go to these difficult places and sending others with them. I would love to see our church, All People's Community Church, send a group of people with David, and then your church, RCC, send a group with, with David as well, and to plant together in other churches in our network, in our region, partnering together so that we can reach the nations. And I love what our brother, you know, keep referring to him as brother, what he's doing. He's not a pastor, right? By vocation. We always think that that's the barrier. That you got to be a pastor. You got to go to seminary. You got to be like David, right? Get training. No. You have the Holy Spirit. You have the power. You have the plan of God. That's all you need in utilizing your vocation, whatever it may be engineer, IT consultant, doctor, teacher, whatever you can to go to the nations and leverage that to see lost people have the hope of hearing saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And verse 9 ends in Acts chapter 1. Jesus, he ascends into heaven. He gave his graduation speech and his disciples are looking up into the sky and they were gazing into heaven as he went and two men, it says, stood by them in white robes. These are obviously angels. In verse 11 it says, and and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who's taken up from you into heaven will come in the very same way as you saw him go into heaven, meaning he's going to come back and fulfill what that scroll said. He's going to come back and reap the harvest once and for all. And what he's, the angels are saying is this, why are you looking and waiting? Go. You heard what Jesus said, go. There's a lot of times for us, you know, when we interpret that, we say, well, that's, that's not for me. You know, go. I'll pray. I'll give. But Jesus says, go. And it begins in your neighborhood. It begins with your coworkers. It begins with family members that you may know. But it also means to actually go to the nations. And it could be an international student, immigrant family that moves into your community. Or it could actually be get on a plane and to, to leave everything behind for the sake of the gospel. And maybe that could be a season, two years, or even one year, or even a short-term trip to consider what God could do. And so I want to close in a word of prayer, but, but here's what I want to invite you to do is this. I want you to be open-handed with God. You know, our tendency is this, that we schedule God into our calendar, don't we? Right? We tell God, all right, just, just send me a Google invite and, and I'll, I'll let you know if I'm available, right? But in actuality, it's the other way around. God's 
says, here, subscribe to my Google Calendar. You're in my schedule, right? And so imagine if you could do that and be more open-minded about this and to give him not just this week or this month, but your entire life, your entire calendar and say, God, maybe it's a year of my life, of my calendar. Maybe it's a few months of my life that I would be willing to give to you. And before you close those doors and say, no, decline that invitation, I really want you to be open about that. And then if you're here today and you're not a follower of Christ and you never placed your trust in Jesus and you're like, why do we even care about going to nations? Man, we'd love to talk to you after service. I know Adam, Pastor Adam's going to be up here and David up here and you can talk to Megan. If you've never placed your faith in Jesus and don't understand his heart, to see lost people come to know him in a personal way, we'd love to talk to you about that as well. So I'm going to close in a word of prayer. If you're either in any of those camps or even in between, that you would be open to God's invitation. So would you bow with me at this time? Father, we thank you for your desire to spread your love to all the peoples of the earth, that there would be equity those in the most difficult and and the most oppressed places uh, would have the opportunity to hear the one true name of Jesus. That they would be able to cry out. That they would be able to escape religion and all the weight that the demands of the law have and to turn to Jesus as their Savior. And maybe there's someone here today that needs to do that. And crying out because they're so tired and exhausted from their life and, and from trying religion. And they need a relationship with God. And thank you, Jesus, that you made that possible. And to know you personally. Uh, to have our sins forgiven so that we may have our relationship restored. In the very same way that you want to restore this city. And so restore our hearts at this time. And so I pray for those who are followers of Jesus and that they've never really opened their heart and their schedule and their life unto missions and the possibility, God, of giving a season of their life. Um, Lord, would you speak to them about that? Whether it's going, giving, or praying, whatever they can to partner with those at RCC to be able to see the gospel go to the ends of the earth, as Jesus said. And so, Lord, we pray and ask that RCC would experience the power of God to carry out your plan to the ends of the earth. In Jesus' great name and for your glory we pray. If you were encouraged by today's message, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you stream your podcasts. To find other messages or get more information about Redemption City Church, visit us online at rccbaltimore.org. Thank you for listening to the Redemption City Church Podcast.